my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So in today's fourth and last installment from the book of Proverbs, we finally get some of the dualisms for which this part of the book is famous. Lines like, the wicked, uh, the, the wicked are portrayed one way, the righteous are portrayed as the opposite. Laziness brings poverty. Hard work makes one rich. This is where the Protestant work ethic is drawn from, as well as some other modern-day proverbs that we might recognize, like, crime doesn't pay, or strike while the iron is hot, loose, licks, lip, loose lips sink ships, and mind your tongue. There's a great deal of easily recognizable truth here, and it's the kind of thing that we, we probably wish our children would hear more often, children and grandchildren, so that they would grow up to be also hardworking and honest and well-spoken people we would naturally speak of as wise I also notice at funerals that these, these are the kind of virtues that, that make it into eulogies, too. Particularly those of the so-called greatest generation, the builders. Those, who, those folks who lived through the Great Depression and World War II and the Cold War era. You'd think they invited, invented these guidelines for good and righteous living. Always dutiful and morally upright quietly doing their best to be good. So it's, it's no wonder that that generation in particular was big on going to church, since by and large, they share these values with the biblical tradition. Praise God for Sunday school. But there's also a shadow side to these virtues that isn't talked about so much at funerals or in Sunday school. The reality is that many people who have high moral standards they can also easily fall into self-righteousness and become judgmental of others, which in some ways can be equally problematic. For example, someone can be exceedingly hardworking and honest while also coming across as rather demanding and unforgiving at the same time. He or she may be morally upright, but also a pain in the neck to live with. And is that what wisdom is really about? Is that what we are called to as Christians? Even with these basic ideas of morality, we have to continually seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit in order to strike a healthy balance and discern the mind of Christ in all things. So to that end, as an example, today I'm going to dive into one theme in this chapter from Proverbs that's worth, I think, reflecting on a little more deeply. The concept of laziness. Laziness brings poverty, hard work brings wealth. But is it really that simple? Is laziness really such a problem? I'm personally not so sure. Uh, in part because I find that laziness is very much in the eyes of the beholder. Some people think that hard work means being at an office 80 hours a week. Others call that workaholism. Some people think that taking a whole day off once a week to play and to pray, they might call that lazy. Others would say that's what faithfulness looks like since God also commanded Sabbath rest. So who's right? Who decides what constitutes laziness or hard work? 
And it gets even more complicated when you, when you take behavioral economics into consideration, which is something I like to think about. Because we all have certain innate biases, biases that affect how we view ourselves and others. We have a natural tendency to misunderstand what's really going on around us. Here's just, here are a few worth considering. One, the blame instinct. Research has shown that people tend to rush to judgment when something isn't going well. So, for instance, if a person is poor and we believe that poverty is caused by laziness, then we have a natural tendency to blame poor people for their own poverty by calling them lazy. But is that really true? Do poor people in general work less hard than rich people? All those folks holding down multiple minimum wage jobs and still barely scraping by, are they lazier than the white-collar workers who enjoy paid vacations and early retirements? That doesn't sound quite right to me. Then there's another bias called moral superiority, which is what it sounds like. (laughs) Research also shows that we all tend to think that we as individuals are morally superior to others. As in, I know I'm hardworking and honest, but I'm not so sure about everybody else. We naturally assume that others, on average, are lazier and less honest than we are. That's just what humans do. And here's the third. There are many more, but I'm trying not to bore you too much. Confirmation bias. It's another problematic tendency in which we prefer information that confirms what we think we already know. So if we believe that hard work makes one rich and laziness makes one poor, then we look for evidence that supports that statement and we disregard everything else. Let's say, for instance, we hear about a homeless person turning down a job opportunity. We may say, see, homeless people are lazy. But if we hear about studies that claim that homeless people in general are willing to work and to work hard, we may disregard that information because it may contradict what we think we know to be true. Well, eventually, all of this bias that we have, it conspires to make righteous people inclined to judgment, to judge others and sometimes themselves, too. If they see other people failing to achieve, they might label them as lazy If they see themselves fail, they might think they they just didn't work hard enough because hard work is considered the antidote. Hard work, hard work, hard work. But again, is that really how it is? Is this what God intends for us? There's an article I stumbled upon some years ago that has, has influenced my perspective on this quite a bit. It's called Laziness Does Not Exist. If you Google that line, it comes right up. Laziness does not exist. A professor of psychology and education wrote this article as a kind of manifesto to help teachers in particular understand why some students struggle to meet expectations while others don't. His claim is that it's never really just about laziness. The full title of the article is Laziness Does Not Exist, But Hidden Barriers Do. So the author gives example after example of good reasons why people sometimes procrastinate, avoid work, or don't follow through. 
There's always something else going on, he claims, hidden barriers that keep people from achieving. Like, like the student who can't get to class on time because he's got a sleeping disorder and he's struggling to wake up in the morning. There's a woman who has a hard time concentrating because she's still processing a sexual assault that happened years ago. These students, they don't talk about their challenges in public, so others just assume they're lazy. Meanwhile, studies show that people, most people, really are hardworking. We all want to achieve something in life. So even when students procrastinate, it's usually because they're afraid to fail, or they simply don't know where to start. It's not that they're lazy. They just need more help. Students, disciples, people who are struggling, they need extra help, not more judgment or condemnation. And that's where the gospel comes in, right? Because God came into the world not to condemn the world, but in order to save it, to save us, to help us to overcome we also, who sometimes struggle in various ways, no matter how righteous we sometimes think we are, God understands all of our hidden biases as well as our barriers to success. And unlike us, God sees the desires of our hearts and knows that most people aren't lazy. God even came down to live in the flesh to experience firsthand what it's like to face all of the challenges that we often do when trying to live lives that are honest and faithful and hardworking. Jesus studied the same book of Proverbs, these good guidelines for living, and he lived by them, embodying the fullness of wisdom through his own faithfulness and hard work. But you know, I noticed that Jesus' Jesus's hard work didn't make him rich. And it also didn't lead him, unlike it does for some others, to self-righteousness or judgment. Because instead, Jesus chose compassion for those who are struggling. Jesus chose to suffer with us rather than to condemn us. To save us from our own hatred or violence. It's like he was in embodying this last proverb of our reading today. Verse 12, hate stirs up conflict, but love covers all offense. Christ Jesus showed the truth of this wisdom, that it's love that overcomes all offense, all failings, even perceived laziness. So if, if someone comes across as, as lazy we who follow Jesus know that the antidote isn't judgment. It wouldn't be helpful to simply conclude that that person is getting what he or she deserves. To tell him or her that what goes around comes around. If we want people, including ourselves, to overcome laziness, then the way forward is an outpouring of love. More help, more assistance, more support. As St. Paul put it, wherever sin or failing abounds, the grace of God abounds all the more. 
Because the answer is grace. We can ask ourselves, if someone seems lazy, what's, what's behind their laziness? And how can we help? What can we do to remove the barriers that keep some people from healthy work, from positive growth, from the life that really is life? Sometimes I think if we're honest with ourselves, we may find that the barrier, it isn't so much with them as it is with us and our perceptions. And so the most helpful thing we can often do is learn how to see others differently, the way Jesus did. Perhaps if we ask, the Holy Spirit will give us a new perspective on those who are struggling We can examine our own biases and assumptions and maybe learn how to suspend judgment a little more often. We can give people the benefit of the doubt. Now, does this mean we should stop encouraging people to work hard or be honest or choose their words wisely? Of course not. All of these are still good proverbs, good wisdom that will bring us life. But we would also be wise to remember the command to always tell the truth in love. And as Jesus once said, we should take the log out of our own eyes before pointing out the speck in someone else's. Finally, here's here's one additional concept that I I find helpful. Uh, Default to truth. This is a word of wisdom that um, comes from Malcolm Gladwell's most recent book called Talking to Strangers. If anyone has read that, I highly recommend it. It's an excellent analysis of some controversial true stories, including police shootings, Ponzi schemes, early encounters with Native Americans, all about how complicated things get when strangers meet. Gladwell's main point is that these situations are rife with misunderstanding no matter what we do. Human beings are simply, we're ridiculously bad at interpreting one another's behavior. But we do have one thing going for us, he claims. Gladwell calls it our default to truth. Surprisingly, it turns out that most people still tend to assume that others are telling the truth, at least most of the time. Most people. This, too, is human nature along with our other negative biases. And so the good news is we can choose which ones to access. We really do have the ability to look for the best in other people, most of us, on average, most of the time. And this is a good thing because our society is built on trust. Trust makes community possible Without it, things break down pretty quickly. So as we read these Proverbs, as we continue to do our best to pursue lives of righteousness and justice in the way of Jesus, we can actively choose to default to truth. We can cling to this God-given ability. Combating failure with forgiveness meeting laziness with love, replacing hatred with a helping hand. And by God's grace, we can all grow in honesty, in hard work, and in love. We can all be known as wise children 
as the book of Proverbs says, bringing glory to our God in heaven for the life and salvation of all God's people, even us. Amen?